The first reading for this second Sunday in Advent is found in the book of the Old Testament prophet Isaiah chapter 61. This will serve as the basis for our meditation this morning. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release for those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a cloak of praise instead of a faint spirit, so that they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord to display His beauty. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will celebrate because of my God, for He has clothed me in garments of salvation. With a robe of righteousness He covered me, like a bridegroom who wears a beautiful headdress like a priest, and like a bride who adorns herself with her jewelry. For as the earth produces its growth, and as a garden causes what has been sown to sprout up, so God the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up in the presence of all the nations. The word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So how many shopping days are there until Christmas? As of today, there are eight. Now, in my family and on many other families, Christmas is celebrated on Christmas Eve, so that would make it seven days until Christmas. Friends, do you feel some tension with that? Some nerves when you hear that Christmas is only a week away? Perhaps you've had a, busier, a busy fall, followed by a busier advent, combined with a, a little bit of procrastination and some poor timing, and now you're kind of under the gun. You, you still you find yourself just behind on so much that you need to prepare for Christmas. Wouldn't it be nice if someone could just take care of all of that for you? Or kids. Maybe you feel a little different kind of tension. It's not so much the nervous and the worry and all that stuff, but it's more the tension of building excitement, the tension of anticipation. Only a week until you get to tear into those beautifully wrapped gifts placed lovingly under the Christmas tree. You've made your wish lists. You've dropped hints to mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. You've even wondered if maybe just to be sure and cover all your bases, you should talk to Santa the next time you go to the mall. But you don't know what you're going to receive, and time is running out. Your excitement and anticipation and uncertainty are all building. Wouldn't it be nice to just get all those gifts right now? Friends, we can understand why these days before Christmas can be so exhausting. Gifts can be so much fun when you receive them, but if we have sky-high expectations about what we're going to get, those sky-high expectations can be dashed if you get what you don't want. Of course, there's the whole matter of how long you have that gift, how long it lasts, how does it hold up, does it break, does it get lost, is there something wrong with it? Shopping for loved ones, too, can, can be an enjoyable task. It can be lots of fun looking for that something special, but, but unless, if you're running out of time and you've got all kinds of things you have to get and your list is of ginormous length, it's not so fun. Does any wonder why so many of us, on once Christmas Day rolls around, we're just happy to be done with it all? Yet on this Advent morning, with our Christmas celebrations only a week away, the Lord wants you to actually set all of that that's causing you tension and worry aside. 
the to-do lists, the stress, the wish lists, the shopping, and even the gifts. The Lord wants you to just set that aside, to pause for a moment, and listen closely. Because the king is about to give you some very special gifts. And you could probably call them uh, their advent gifts. But you don't get them because you've been good or you've managed to avoid being bad. You don't, you don't get them from a, a jolly old elf or even from loved ones. In fact, what you do or who you're related to or whatever has no bearing whatsoever on you receiving these gifts. No, they come from the nail-scarred hand of your, of your glorious, gracious king. And so the, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah this morning, he helps the, the king to give us these gifts. And so he takes the first one from the king and he gives it to you and you, you rip off the wrapping paper and you open the box and inside that box you find a well-worn Bible, a roll of bandages, a certificate of pardon signed with the scarlet signature of a king and a note explaining this Advent gift. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release for those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God. When Isaiah first wrote those words 700 years before the birth of Christ, things were not looking good for Israel. For so long they had rejected the Lord. They had chased after other gods. They had rejected the warnings of his prophets, even putting them to death. But finally God's judgment came to Israel. Gaping holes ruined the beautiful walls of Jerusalem. The glorious temple of the Lord was down to burned out rubble. The Jews would be forced into an exile a thousand miles away from home, an exile that would last for at least 70 years before they could return. And when they come back, the land would still be under the rule of other people. Yet a time was coming when God would deliver his people. But it would be a different kind of deliverance, not a, a glorious one where he humbles kingdoms and nations, but instead the Messiah would come to proclaim good news of healing and freedom, and deliverance for God's hurting people. So why are we getting that gift? We're not in exile. We haven't seen Orlando destroyed. Why are we getting this gift? I mean, wouldn't it make sense to give that to the ancient Jews, or at least the people in exile, or the people after the exile? Well, yeah, they, they needed this. But so do we. In so many ways, things don't look good for us either. Every one of us is spiritually afflicted before God. Not a single one of us has anything to offer before God. Not, none of us, we're, we've, we have nothing but the, uh, the uh, filthy, tattered rags of our personal sins to offer to God. By nature, we're all beggars. We all need the good news of Christ that's found on the well-worn pages of Scripture. Good news that God has made us rich because Christ has set aside His glory. He was afflicted for us. Makes sense why the Bible's in there. But what about the bandages? Jesus comes to bind up the brokenhearted. That word brokenhearted has the idea of a, of a heart or conscience that's so broken up, so hurting, that it just gives us no rest. At some point in time, uh, we've been there. We've had that experience. Now sometimes you might try to hide or ignore the seriousness of your sin, but even if you think you're successful in doing that, guess what? The memory of what you have done or the good you have failed to do lives on. 
What's worse is you find yourself falling back again and again into that same sin. And guilt and shame, they they break your heart, they shatter it, but Jesus comes along to bind up your broken heart with the soothing, healing balm of his forgiveness. All right, the Bible, roll bandages. What about the letter of pardon? The signature you see on there isn't the black cursive of a president or governor pardoning a death row inmate, but instead, what you see there is the scarlet red signature of the king. What is it that enslaves you? Greed? Lust? Envy? Arrogance? Selfishness? Insecurity? Anxiety? Whatever enslaves you will never willingly let you go. You think about it, guilt can plunge you so far to the darkest depths you can't see your way out. If you, then if you look to God's law that tells you, do this, don't do this, or be damned, well, guess what? That's not going to help you out either. You won't find freedom there. Instead, that holy law fills you with terror. You find yourself deserving God's punishment for your sin. Every sin brings you closer to cashing that, that lifelong sentence of death. You can't get yourself out, but the king can You see, the king became a criminal in your place. The king faced condemnation in your place. The king suffered a criminal's death on a cross to set you free, to burst the chains of your guilt, to open the prison doors of your death. He poured light into the darkness of your despair. You don't have to be a slave to sin anymore. You have freedom in Christ. You have been set free. That means he canceled your debt of sin. Now you who once sat waiting for death, waiting for God's eternal punishment to come down on your head, you have heard your Savior declare over you, not guilty. Now you enjoy God's favor and mercy even as we await His coming judgment. It's quite a gift the King has given to us, right? But He's not done. This isn't the only gift today. The prophet hands you another gift from the king and you tear open the paper, you open the box, and inside you find a beautiful crown, a bottle of fragrant olive oil, and some very fine clothing. And and there's a note there explaining this Advent gift, a note from the Lord himself. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, To give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a cloak of praise instead of a faint spirit. Now if you lived back in Isaiah's time and you were in mourning, you would change your clothes to put on a a rather rough, almost burlap-like material called sackcloth. And then you'd go and sit in the dirt. And you would take ashes, cooled off of course, from the fireplace, and you would pour them over your head. All of that to symbolize your mourning and grief. Now, if it was a time of joy or gladness, what you would do is the opposite. You would, you would take fragrant olive oil and you would put it on your skin and make it look really nice and you would put on your best clothes. The fact is the sad reality, the sad condition of our sins leaves us in the ashes and the dirt mourning. But the King has come to replace our mourning with joy. Jesus has clothed us with garments of salvation, with garments of His righteousness. No more sackcloth and ashes for you. 
No more sorrow or mourning over sin. Now you have joy. Now you have celebration in Christ. He replaces your despair over sin with comfort and joy for your soul. And then there's one more gift he has for us. The prophet takes that gift from the nail-scarred hands of our king. He places it in front of you. You tear open the wrapping paper. You open up the box. And you find inside wedding garments. A bride's jewels. And a tiny potted plant. You also find a note explaining this Advent gift. But this one's a little bit different than the other ones because this gift is about how we respond to the king. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will celebrate because of my God, for he has clothed me in garments of salvation. With a robe of righteousness he covered me, like a bridegroom who wears a beautiful headdress, like a priest, and like a bride who adorns herself with her jewelry. For as the earth produces its growth, and as a garden causes what has been sown to sprout up, so God the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up in the presence of all the nations. What a beautiful picture of the joy that we as believers in Christ have. I mean, think of a bride and groom. Their joy is evident in how they dress. The bride wears this beautiful white flowing gown. Maybe she has this beautiful jewels and a necklace around her neck, and her hair is beautifully done up. The groom is dressed in his finest. In fact, quite possibly, at no other time in their life will they look this beautiful together. In Christ, our joy is even greater. And it's not just on one day in our lives, it is every day of our lives. But why rejoice? To use the words of Isaiah, Christ has clothed us with salvation and righteousness. He has rescued us from certain doom. He is the sole reason we are not guilty in God's sight. He rescues us, justifies us purely because of His undeserved gorgeous grace. Gorgeous grace that's evident in a Bethlehem stable and a Nazareth home and on a Galilean seashore and on a criminal's cross and finally in an empty tomb. Eternity isn't long enough for us to rejoice over what Christ has done for us and over all that Christ has done for us. So how will this joy be yours as we go from Advent to Christmas this week? Without Jesus, our sins leave us filthy. They leave us disgusting beyond belief. But Christ has cleansed us with his holy precious blood. Now you can display his splendor as righteousness and praise spring forth like new plants in your Advent preparations and your Christmas celebrations. We can rejoice because our King, king has come to proclaim peace to our sorry souls, to cover us with his righteousness and to give us joy that will last long after this Christmas. Dear friends, rejoice in our King this Advent. Rejoice in Christ. Find joy this Advent in Christ our King. Amen.